my subject this morning is a little misleading. It didn't seem misleading to me when I put it together, but as I was sharing the title with a few people, it clearly became misleading. It's also something that this was one of those weeks where you know you have in your mindset weeks ahead of time what you're going to preach, and you have an idea, and you get late in the week, and yeah, I'm going to preach that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And the Lord says, no, you're not going to do that. Uh, so I keep telling him, I promise I'll listen. If you can catch me earlier in the week, it would be a whole lot better. But I want to talk today about freedom. How we as Christians define freedom. And I guess this has been pressing on my heart because there has been so much commentary and conversation within our culture about this topic. But I want to make it clear from the very beginning what I am not going to talk about, and that's American freedom or civic freedom. I'm going to talk about the freedom we have in Jesus. Because from my perspective, that's the only freedom that matters. Because any other freedom can be subject to so many other different things that change over time. But the Bible is clear. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Yet it's also become clear to me on the topic of freedom in a general sense that the world, when they look at us, they really believe that when we become Christians, we give up our freedom. The world looks at us and says, we've become slaves. The world looks at us and all they see is a bunch of you cannot do rules. So I want to talk today about freedom because so many are talking about it. So many believe that our freedoms are being attacked and there's a place for that conversation. So many believe that we're in the midst of this some type of takeover. And again, there's a place for that conversation. The reality is so many believe so many different things. We as a nation have been one of freedoms, but yet the world tends to define freedom as basically don't tell me what to do, not being told what to do. I will decide what is best for me. I will decide what is best for my family. Societal norms, whatever they are, and they may change over time, tend to be what they are, and they should never push obligations on me. And yet I have to wonder, do we live lives that show that we as Christians truly understand freedom from God's perspective and how different it is than from the world's? Is freedom just, I can do whatever I want? Is freedom just the complete absence of any rules or any restrictions? Is freedom just the complete removal of all obligations and anything that even remotely resembles accountability? I have a theological term for that. Nonsense. True freedom cannot exist without boundaries. And you're all looking at me strange. Believe me, when I wrote it down for the first time, I did too. Most have the idea that freedom and discipline are adversaries. On the contrary, freedom 
true freedom is the final reward for a life that has been submitted to discipline. You cannot tell an athlete that has worked for years that freedom and discipline are opposites. You cannot tell a figure skater or an Olympic gymnast that freedom and discipline are opposites. Elizabeth Elliot, the famed missionary, once wrote, freedom is not free. With freedom comes responsibility. We have to decide what we will do with our freedom in Christ. In our country, and she's speaking of Great Britain, we have been given freedom. The problem our country is having is that we have forgotten that with freedom comes the responsibility of it. The founding fathers of this nation understood how a person uses their liberty or freedom will determine how well the nation functions. So I want to submit today that we as Christians have responsibilities that come with this amazing gift we've been given, both civically and spiritually, called freedom. The special freedom that comes with following Jesus. We have to decide how we're going to use this gift and that we're not going to abuse it. Join me in Galatians chapter 5, and I'll begin reading in verse number 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, Beware lest you be consumed by one another. We need to understand that we are called as Christians to a life of freedom. And that freedom that we are given as believers came at a heavy price. In the beginning of this chapter, Paul tells the Galatian church in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. People, God, through Jesus, paid a price so that you and I would not have to live one more day in bondage. We would not have to live in bondage to our lusts and our passions. We would not have to live in bondage to evil thoughts or ungodly desires. It's okay to be passionate about things, but we as God's people are not ruled by our passions. We are ruled by what thus saith the Lord. We serve Jesus. The whole idea of slavery is that slaves do whatever they're told. Now, when you became a Christian, a few phrases should have left your vocabulary. And they're not any of the phrases you're thinking of right now. The phrases I'm thinking of that should have left your vocabulary, or at least as you mature in the Lord, will continue to leave your vocabulary, are phrases like, I couldn't help myself. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So I can't help myself should flee. Also, when we became followers of Jesus, a phrase that should leave us is, well, my emotions took over. Now, wait a minute. Jesus died so that you and I can do better than that. 
We need to walk in freedom. We've been set free from the power of sin. We've been set free from the guilt of sin. And we've been set free, thank the Lord, from the ultimate penalty of sin. So how do we live out this gift Jesus gives us? John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, verses I'm sure many of you know. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, and you are my disciples, indeed, for whom the Son sets free, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Freedom comes abiding in his word, not just reading it, abiding in it, and it makes us free. Many feel to become a Christian, you give up freedom. Well, you can't go here and you can't go there. It's not that I can't go there. It's that I've come to the realization, my eyes have been opened. I see absolutely no point in going there. Guys at my, my job are always saying, hi, I'm after work on a Friday. Come out with us to the bar. We're going to have a few drinks. And they look so happy to be heading in that direction. I'm like, guys, I want to go home. We want to go home, too. Apparently, not as badly as I want to go home. Because you want to go first and have a few drinks. Well, come have a few beers with us. What's wrong with having beer? Well, you can have your beer, and I'm sure there'll be something there for you to drink. Yeah, I'm sure they have water or things like that. But the point is, it's not about what I can't do. I'm given the freedom to enjoy the fact that I can go home to a, a, a family that I love. That's freedom. I don't need to stop at the neighborhood pub before I go home. That's bondage. The gift we've been given is something that we can use for God. Or it's freedom that we can abuse. What we don't want to do with the freedom Jesus gives us is turn our freedom, our liberty, into license. In early 1988, Charles and Diana, then Prince and Princess of Wales, and some friends took a, a ski trip to Switzerland. The shocking news came one afternoon of a terrible accident caused by an avalanche in which one of the prince's lifelong friends was killed and another seriously injured. It seemed sheer chance that the prince himself was not killed or hurt. How did it happen? A day or two earlier, the press reported that the prince's group had chosen to ski out on slopes that were closed to the public. The avalanche warnings had been posted everywhere, but they had chosen to go beyond the fences because, as one of them observed, that's where the fun is, and the excitement can be found there. Most likely, they found a brand of pleasure that was indeed more than attractive, but it, but it went beyond the margins of what was wise and prudent, and the avalanche exacted its price among those who went beyond the fences. The results were several broken lives and broken worlds. See, the issue is so many in our culture fit into this group. 
They believe that the excitement, that the spice, that the thrill of life is found beyond the fences, is outside the box. Now, I'm all for being creative. I want to see what God can do in all of our lives. But what I'm not creative about is sneaking away from God's word, of stepping outside his principles. God is clear about a number of things. There is an absolute right and an absolute wrong. We lie to ourselves in those situations when we step away from God's word. We say, nobody will get hurt. We lie to ourselves when we say the excitement or exhilaration will be worth the risk or worth the pain. Too many people claim freedom to do things that they just simply should not be doing. The definition for spending a life trying to satisfy every desire of the flesh, that's not freedom church that's bondage that is bondage we must guard against taking our liberty and turning it into license first peter chapter 2 verse number 16 live as free people but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil live as god's slaves We don't want to abuse our freedom by turning it into license. We also don't want to abuse the freedom Jesus gives us by turning liberty into legalism. The church is good at this one. Oh, the rules that we place on one another. Verse 15 in the opening passage we read said, do not bite and devour one another. The images that conjures up, things that would truly steal liberty in Christ. I had a friend that I've known for years and a a beloved brother in the Lord and we've been friends for a long time and shared many experiences in ministry. And he was asking about this church that I've been pastoring. And so I said, well, if you want to catch one of our services, we're on Facebook Live. You can catch it on replay. And so we did. Big mistake. Because he caught it on Facebook Live and he said, I enjoyed the worship. I enjoyed the message. But I'm not sure I could ever attend your church. I go, why? What did I say? I thought I had done something. Well, I noticed something when you got into the pulpit. What? You weren't wearing a tie. You know, God's providence is so wonderful because it was good that conversation happened through text messages. I wasn't standing next to him looking in his eyes when he said that. I might have given in to the bondage of the flesh in that moment. I then let him know, just in case he thought I was being hypocritical, no, that Sunday you tuned in, I wasn't wearing a tie. And in the two and a half years I've been pastoring this church, I have never worn a tie. And that still is my goal. (laughs) We sometimes build this box, label it Christian, and say, if you're going to be one, that's what you have to step into. 
This is how a Christian should worship. This is how a Christian should think. This is how a Christian should talk. This is how a Christian should vote. This is how a Christian should look. And we focus on rules that are, that are primarily concerned with outward appearances. But how many know, as the Bible said back in the Old Testament, God looks at the heart. And all we wind up doing when we look at the outward things is we wind up rejecting people that Jesus wants us to reach. But they don't fit into the box. Bottom line, legalism tears down. It doesn't build up. Yet there needs to be balance here. If I really thought that my not wearing a tie was stopping someone from growing in the Lord, I'd think about it. <laughs> and then I'd probably put the tie on. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9, But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Because body of Christ, we are here to serve one another, not to have things my own way. It's a wonderful song sung by a wonderful singer. But the song My Way by Frank Sinatra is not a Christian ballad. It isn't. Stand up for Jesus. That's a good song. Though none go with me, still I will follow. That's a good song. We serve one another. We are to be concerned with the things in our lives that could possibly, if we were to analyze them, impact other people. And we need to stop complaining about, well, I want to do this. And be more concerned with what does Jesus want me to do in serving other people. We don't want to use our freedom by, or, or abuse our freedom by turning it into either license or legalism. We want to take our freedom in Jesus and serve one another and serve each other. The irony is that in freedom, it becomes less about you and more about others. That's freedom. T.F. Huffman Harris told a, told a story of a young man named Eddie who became tired of life and decided to leap from a bridge into a turbulent river. Jim, a total stranger, saw Eddie being swept downstream and plunged into the water in an effort to save him. One problem, Jim couldn't swim, but he jumped in anyway. Eddie, a good swimmer, noticed the man floundering desperately in the strong current and knew that without his help, he would drown. And something stirred in Eddie. With all his strength, Eddie swam over to the man and rescued him, saving the stranger who had attempted to save him. And it brought new hope and meaning to Eddie's life. And he never again tried to take his life. Sometimes we need to get out of ourselves and stop thinking about me and myself. Sometimes it takes a crisis or something like this to shock us out of this poor me attitude. And when shocked sufficiently, we begin to once again value how much God means to me and how much his people mean to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, they read, For though I am free from all men, 
I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might with win Jews. And to those who were under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. To those who are without Christ, and as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. Verse number 19 sums it all. I have made myself a servant. That's not something anyone can force you to do. It's not something anyone can push you into a box and say, this is what you need to do. That would be slavery. That would be bondage. What we're called to is freedom. And freedom requires a choice. It also requires something to choose. And for us, it's the gospel. For in this, the law is fulfilled. That we love one another. We need to be able to walk up, especially to those within the household of faith, and say, I love you right where you are. I love you, struggles and all. I love you, fears and all. I accept you just like Jesus accepts me. And all of this requires freedom. Freedom. But a perspective on freedom that's not civic, a perspective on freedom that's not necessarily nationalistic, a perspective on freedom that has a mindset that we are pilgrims in this world, this world is not my home, and one day I'm going to live in a heavenly kingdom where my maker sits on a throne. Our faith is so much more than a plaque of thou shalt nots. I have the freedom to serve Jesus. And I'm thankful for that freedom. Because before he touched my heart, I couldn't because I was in bondage. I have the freedom to walk about and walk away from things that he says are bad for me. I couldn't do that before because I was in bondage. Funniest thing was years ago at a company holiday party. Everybody went up to the bar at the party, and I was there, and they all ordered beers. And wanting to have a little fun, because you've known me by now, I like to play with people sometimes. They all ordered a beer, draft, and Coors, and Heineken, and just names some I didn't even recognize. And I said, I'll have a beer. And they all looked at me. Like, was the roof going to cave in? And one of them said, what kind of beer do you want? And I went, root. Root beer. And they looked at me like, that's not funny. And I said, it sounded funny when I thought about it. But I have the freedom to walk away from things that are bad for me. Well, is alcohol bad for you? Necessarily, no. 
but the abuse of it. We have a whole society and whole vertical markets within our culture that deal with how what happens when people go overboard. Well, then people need self-control. Tell me people have self-control apart from the Holy Spirit where one of the gifts of the Spirit is self-control. Apart from that, I'm not trusting in the self-control ability in humanity. I have the freedom to walk away from that. I have the freedom to live a life that is pleasing to Jesus. What a joy. God gave us great gifts, and probably the greatest is called freedom. You today are free from guilt and the penalty of sin. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see any of the mistakes, any of the transgressions. He sees Jesus, and you are washed white as snow. We have to decide, though, as his people, that what we will do with our freedom, how we will use it, how we will allow God to come through us and bless others, how we will love and serve and build other people up, how we will not take our liberty and turn it into license, how we will not take our liberty and turn it into legalism. The way each one of us uses our freedom in Christ will determine what kind of community we are, what people see when they walk into these doors. If we use our freedom as Jesus wants us to use our freedom, we can have a great nation again. We can once again return to principles that are founded upon the word of God. Freedom isn't free. Jesus, acting in perfect freedom, died for you. He suffered for you. He was beaten and tortured for you, and he did it freely. I am always paused whenever I look at the passage of him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, the man, is saying to his father, hey, dad, if you got a plan B, I'm listening. But then he says, you know what? I'm going to make a choice, and it's not what I want. God, it's what you want, and that's what we need to follow. That's what we need to be as Christians. God, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what freedoms I have. I want what you want. This would be a very different nation if her people had that mindset. Truly, truly free. Stand with me, please.